0: And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio, Radio TV, at the Cool Group site, and I am here with my brother, Dr. Clyde Posley. Yes, sir. discussing this very important topic of little platoons and nonprofits. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you were just telling me off air, uh, Dr. Clyde, about uh, this issue of why this show works and why uh, these kinds of little platoons work.
1: Yeah, this show works. Because it's rooted in scripture, it's ro- It's rooted in scripture. the f- The foundation of what we are doing is scriptural, and uh, so we don't we don't come on the show uh, looking to tout a, a, an individual agenda. We are unified before the show, during the show, and and our listeners need to know that we're unified off air after the show about scripture. And and any show that seeks to uh, bring unity among diverse uh, cultures, uh, in my opinion, has its best and greatest opportunity to do it based on scripture. Um, Charles Taylor, I believe, wrote a book about uh, multiculturalism. And and one of the notions of that book, it's, 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 it's a book printed in the early 2000s, I believe. One of the notions of that book is that the world is obviously made up of different cultures, and we have to learn to cohabitate by integration, whether we like it or not. That's right. God did not bring us here uh, uh, to not integrate. Mm -hmm. We cannot like it. We can create these small villages. We can create these small bands, these, these, uh, for lack of a better word, different types of gangs. We we, we we often the, we, we know of gangs as Crips and Bloods or motorcycle gangs we do it culturally as well We sure do. that's not they're not a part of my group not a part. listen when there's a car accident
2: mm.
1: if a person can if i'm in that car accident i don't care what your color is <laughs> yeah, help that's me right. that's right if i drive up on a car accident i and i've done this mm. i've performed CPR on people who, who are white Mm. Or who are Latino, mm. because they were in a, because they were in a situation. Yeah. Period. It does not matter. You know, b- s- blood that has spilled is evidence of a trauma, and all traumas need to be addressed by humanity mm. because people need you.
0: There's a reason why Scripture speaks about uh, what we have as one blood. One blood. One blood is really important. And, of course, (laughs) we've we've seen this thing from Genesis chapter 4. I mean, the whole point behind the Cain and Abel story is not just the fracture of creation as as awful and as dismal as that is from Genesis chapter 3 and all aspects of that. We could extrapolate that out and exegete that all out, but it's the personal relationship. Right. In Genesis chapter four, between Cain and Abel, mm-hmm. that is a demonstration of right. what we have been dealing with since the beginning. Sure, in and, relationships.
1: And, and and to piggyback on that, if, if if you look, and the blood on the ground, the Bible says, God said mm-hmm. that 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 uh, uh, Abel's blood was crying out crying from, out the, from the, ground. the ground. We know that's euphemistic, but but it, but it was speaking. Mm-hmm. And 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 I am concerned today. That, that the blood of uh, unaddressed need yes. is, is crying out for more non-for-profits, Look, if, non, for more service.
0: If, if, we don't, if we don't get the baseline idea as a Christian that this is an others-centered religion. Absolutely. That this is, uh, I care for people other than me before me. Mm-hmm. then we will never come to the place of the integration right. until and unless we understand that our selfishness needs to be eradicated by the blood of Jesus. Right. And so that's going to be the real issue, is right. our own personal self right. needs to be dead to right. sin, and exactly. that's the sin of our separated selves, right. uh, Romans chapter 6. Uh, we need to literally die to sin and become alive to righteousness,
1: Dr. C.L. Franklin, uh, arguably in the African American culture, is one, one of the most uh, decorated and storied preachers of of the post postmodern era. Hmm. He's the father of, uh, deceased father of Aretha Franklin.
0: Okay.
1: His various sermons that many pastors listen to, uh, you know, to learn preaching. And one of the things he said in, in one sermon, uh, speaking about the prodigal son. He said, uh, "One of the interesting things about Christianity, and I quote, is that the first law of nature and humans is self first. Mm-hmm. But when you get saved, he said, the first law of grace is others first. There it is. And many people get an F. Many Christians yes, right. get an F at Christianity relative to the steward their self, their um, otherness mm-hmm. stewardship." how they steward the concept of the needs of others, Mm. they get an F because in an age, in an era of grace, you are blessed to be a blessing. Mm -hmm. It is our job uh, to receive favor from God, to put ourselves in a position where we can receive favor from God so that we can serve. Mm. Nothing glorifies God on earth Mm. more so, more pointedly, then loving people, yes, and this soak uh, 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 then loving people, yes,
0: and this soak uh, then loving people, yes, and this soak uh, then loving people yes, concern that you 've just raised here about the distinctiveness of grace mm-hmm. is a as a paramount concern because. Here's this five-letter word, grace, and when you compare it to every other religion, every other philosophy, every other life view in the world, mm-hmm. the other five-letter word is works.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Grace, in the Christian view, works in the others, in anybody else's view. And the problem, of course, is that those two things cannot be combined That's until right. you have grace first. Right. If you have become grace filled by the blood Mm -hmm. of jesus then you have the opportunity to do good works which is the basis for this show but the problem of course in our culture is that people think that they can do good works by itself and that that will bring the grace and i would suggest everybody that that is the the problem with that is the problem with sin we have not dealt with the sin issue if you think you're going to start with good works first you have to deal with the sin issue with grace because we can't do anything about sin by ourselves. Right. There has to be grace first. Then there's good works. You can't have right. good works without the grace first. Right.
1: Good, and and good works. You you brought that in. That's that's very very important. And and this is going to be cutting you know it is to some people. But to, to go along with what you're saying, work is not that people do not work in the sense uh, without meeting Christ. Right. There are civic actors. There yeah. are there are there are people uh, who do work in the community what you are speaking to is that until a person is born again mm-hmm. the work that we do has some some gratification for self, self there it is and it does not glorify god you are going to get the praise even if you're serving home, homeless or hungry or mm-hmm. uh, helping children mm-hmm. if you if you don't accept jesus christ as your personal savior your motives that's right. Have never become sanctified, mm-hmm. and you are going about the process of doing what you're doing, even if you're doing it only for the benefit of the person you're doing it to. That's right. If you even even for that child, even if you're only doing it to make a child better, and one would say, "Well, how is that um, selfish?" If I'm doing it for the benefit of the child, mm-hmm. we don't do. We, we God does not want us doing any work mm-hmm. that is for the benefit of people first. Yes. He wants it to be that his name Mm -hmm. receive the glory. The Bible didn't say if we lift up a child, Mm -hmm. all men shall come unto me. Jesus said if they lift me up, Mm -hmm. I'll draw. And so even as we serve people, serve our parents, serve others, we cannot serve any, do any works. What what qualifies works as good is that they are done to the glory of God. Yes. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23 says, Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Yes. And, yes. and and so and you you have to be born again to do that.
0: That's right. Now, and I wanted to come back to your point because you made an excellent point here about social concerns. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of good folks doing good works Absolutely. in and around the community Absolutely. of Indianapolis. Absolutely. Productive and, and a- impactful. Anywhere. Absolutely. But the question isn't that. The question is, what is the origin or source of the goodness coming from? If you think that you're going to develop this goodness by yourself, you are woe-begotten wrong. That's right. Because you cannot do it by yourself without the influence of sinful, uh, maligned... Motivations right. and intentions. If you've not of the been heart. born again, right? So, when when the first testament, Old Testament, speaks to these issues, it speaks over and over and over again about the God who understands the thoughts and intents of the heart, mm-hmm. so much so that it comes into Hebrews four eleven and twelve, right. where God says, "This is going to be uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account." That's right. So, the ultimate issue here is not, do people do good works? Yes, sure they do. Everybody might do good works. The question is, why? Right, do people, do good works. Right. that's the, and crux. that's going to be uncovered. Yes, the scriptures okay. you just quoted, the
1: explanations. That's going to be uncovered. The Bible says in First Corinthians chapter three that every man's works mm-hmm. shall be tried with fire. Mm-hmm. We're going to know, and so, so, and so. Th- that's why it's important. Non for profit work, sincere non for profit work, service to others, uh, a, a worldview of, of uh, a biblical worldview of others is very important mm-hmm. uh critical thinking about the needs of others yes is very important Christian apologetics defending why we yes go about it, it, all this is important and it, it's got to be rooted in scripture mm. and and'm and there's another thing that comes to my mind uh dr echo this is very important the endurance mm. the perseverance of the saints yes that it, that is required to accomplish any good works mm. ha, comes from it's a grace. Yes, it comes from God. Mm. So, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter two, uh, which is what you've quoted, eight and nine. By by grace are you saved, not by works of any man should boast. Goes on to uh, to say, for you are God's workmanship, created unto good works, mm-hmm. which God hath before ordained. That we should walk in them. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can't walk in. You can't walk. The, the, the inference there is perpetual walking. That's right. You can't continue to persevere uh, in the process of serving a fallen humanity that often pushes back against the very love you're trying to give them, mm-hmm. without having experienced God's grace and knowing, and, and therefore knowing that God is with me in this. Right. When you, you can be serving homeless people. Who have brokenness and who fight you or rob you. You could be trying to serve addicts who rob from you in the process of trying to serve them. Mm-hmm. Often I have tried to serve people who are tearing me down at the at, at the same time I'm trying to serve their family. Mm-hmm. What keeps us go- going? Mm-hmm. The grace of God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Work, the work of God in the heart. right? So that you could say as Paul says, the love of God constrains me. Yes. So that I'm able to persevere and keep going. Without the, an experience with God's grace, you cannot love people in a way that glorifies God,
0: because you can't. The human condition, uh, without having been touched by God, can't stand. It can't sustain that. Exactly. It, it cannot sustain that. Mm-mm. To your point about this concept that uh, somehow we must persevere and endure mm-hmm. how many times do we see that right. throughout scripture right. the perseverance of the saints is That's a right. crucial concern in the doctrine of the church Absolutely. and what does Paul say over and over and again in his epistles I'm thinking about First Thessalonians chapter 4 or First Thessalonians chapter 1 where he tells people just simply about the nature of love that you are to love people more and more and continue to do exactly. so this isn't something that we just it's a one and done or run and gun kind of right. situation no this is a continuous process, motivated by the Spirit of God who lives within us, right. changes how we think right. about life and things.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And 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 it's and it's a and it's a daily vision. Yes, that's right. When Jesus taught his disciples there to pray in, in, in Luke uh, uh, eleven, he, he he he, and we know that he set up a model of the principles mm-hmm. of uh, which are involved in prayer. But he said, he told his disciples, "As he, Lord, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Mark, I have to get up every day and ask God to fill me again mm-hmm. for what I'm required to do today. Mm. That tells me that while there is an eternal presence of God's grace inside of me, by virtue of the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, I have to resubmit myself. Mm-hmm. that Holy Spirit every day Mm. I cannot assume that what God graced me to overcome yesterday is just going to happen today now the grace is still there but I don't know that my commitment is there every Mm -hmm. day and so I have to ask God to grace me to submit to him every day not to get saved but to restore the fellowship that I need with him not he didn't move but my commitment may have yes and that's a part of the enduring process we have to go through every day.
0: You are listening to Dr. Clyde Posley, Dr. Mark Eckle at Warp and Woof Radio, Radio Next. TV at the Cool Groove site. And we are discussing the concern that uh, we have in Indianapolis and every in, uh, community has, and that is about little platoons, about small groups of people, nonprofits that get together to do, do good work. And the whole premise of this show is from a Christian vantage point, Titus chapter 3, to do good based on the grace that's been given to us by Jesus. We're going to take a one-song break. We'll be back to continue the discussion. Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNX.tv at the Cool Groove site. And we today are discussing a very powerful and important concept that uh, runs through all nonprofits. no matter uh, if you believe this or think about it or not uh, but the bottom line is that we have uh, a responsibility to come together as communities to actually do good in our communities right. and because you are listening to two christian men discuss this We are coming at this from a distinctively, decidedly Christian vantage point. And so when we talk about this in our uh, earlier session, we were discussing the concern about the difference between grace and works. If you begin with grace, then you're going to take care of the sin problem, that is, Jesus will, by his blood, his sacrifice on the cross. But if you just simply begin with works, you are not going to deal with the motivations and intentions of the heart, and that is ultimately the problem. Uh, for doing good works, because your good works be tainted. Now, that's not to suggest, by the way, that Christians uh, have this all together, or that <laughs> right. somehow we do things <laughs> that's all right. perfectly. We strive. Better. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. That's it. And so, even in this discussion today, uh, as we kind of unpack this idea. Our concern is, of course, that people uh, hear from a distinct, distinctively decidedly Christian vantage point, but at the same time, in an earlier session as well, we just mentioned, we are not suggesting that unbelievers do not do good works. Right. We are suggesting, however, that what Christians do is decidedly different because of our motivation. Uh, exactly.
1: And and for whom we fundamentally That's work. It. That's right. You know, I, th- this may sound uh, different for somebody, but, but again, as you have... Uh, Outlined, we are coming from a Christian perspective. Our talk show is a Christian show, and and we are trying to bring people together based on truths that we understand. Mm-hmm. And 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 so um, it's not that people who are unsaved don't do works, but when you define them quote as good unquote a good work is something that glorifies the Father. How, how can you say that? Because again, we're coming from a Christian perspective. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus says, let your light, uh, verse 14, let your light so shine that men may see your good works Mm -hmm. and glorify your father, which is in heaven.
2: Yes.
1: So, so that's where I get the, 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 not, not just the notion. That's where I get the biblical axiom. Yes. That good works are works that glorify the father.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, uh, as you said, uh, Paul in Romans chapter seven. Said he was struggling with sin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's the, he's the, in Romans 11 and 13, he calls himself not a, but the apostle yeah. to the Gentiles. Mm. And so uh, Christians also struggle with sin, mm. which is why there are none of us who are so perfect in the flesh that we do good works all the time. That's right. Which takes us, which loops us back around like Warp and Wolf Radio, mm-hmm. which loops us back around to, we need grace. Yes. We need favor. Yes. In our own flesh, mm-hmm. we cannot sustain or perpetuate good works. That's right. Even having been born again. hmm So, we're not dogging out people who are saying that the only good works are the ones that happen from Christians. Mm-hmm. No, when, when we don't trust grace after accepting Christ, mm-hmm. but to trust grace to live for Christ, our works can mirror those of people who do not know Christ.
0: Yes, and here we come to the issue of origins and outcomes. Mm-hmm. If we believe, as we do, that the origin of goodness comes from the good God, Mm -hmm. then there's your origin for goodness. This Mm -hmm. is what we can say is the standard for good. The outcome, of course, is the ultimate issue from a Christian vantage point to glorify God, to glorify the Father, as you've well suggested. But you can have something that is like that, that kind of smuggles in the Christian ethic, as it were, Mm -hmm. uh, to say, yes, we do these good things, but my question's always going to be the same to my unbelieving neighbor, and that is, where did you get the standard by which you're measuring goodness? Good, that's right. And ultimately, where is that going to take you to? Right, that's right. Is this going to be a self-centered endeavor, or is this going to be an other-centered right. endeavor? Right, exactly. And, 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 and,
1: ch- and it's going to be self-centered if if you are not guided by God, mm-hmm. by the principles of God. Mm-hmm. Mark, you don't want, excuse me, Dr. Eccles, you don't want... Me trying to decide, Clyde, trying to decide what a good work should be. Mm-hmm. That's right. The world doesn't want Dr. Mark Eccles um, deciding what uh, the right. Any more than we want <laughs> the right. president or, or mm-hmm. Senate or Congress mm-hmm. deciding for us what is good. That's right. Apart, leaving out scripture. Our constitution says that mm-hmm. we are one, na- the pre- preamble, one nation mm-hmm. under God. hmm indivisible with liberty and justice for all Mm. but that's under god Mm -hmm. even the forefathers understood yeah we want to go about creating a democracy that works for everybody but we don't have to have god to help us Mm.
0: isn't isn't that the truth absolutely we don't want to do it without god in in one of my in my final paper here for the civil war lit class uh, i've mentioned a time or two in the last few weeks uh, I'm reading lots of things by Frederick Douglass. He's one of my primary sources for this particular paper. Mm-hmm. And what I've uh, been reading of him uh, this particular week, uh, What to the Slave is the Fourth of July, I'm, that's one of my primary source documents I'm using for this paper. And I've read uh, over and over and over again where he talks about the the importance of the Constitution, mm-hmm. the importance of the Declaration, and that if in, if indeed this was to be a pro-slavery document it would have mentioned slavery but it doesn't to go back to your point that we are all under god there is and to an earlier point we were making there is only one blood and so ultimately what we're really concerned about always from a christian vantage point we could talk again about the issue of the unity that needs to take place between brothers uh, who are who call themselves christians is the very premise of not only this show but how the world will change when they see Jesus through us,
1: right, right, and 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 it has to be seen. It has to be seen. You you heard me make reference to this off air. I've 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 preached this sermon uh, that I, which I'm about to reference uh, before, but the, the, I've mentioned to you that the first miracle of the church was Acts chapter three mm-hmm. after the Holy Spirit had come and filled the believer, mm-hmm. uh, and and a part of that miracle was Peter and John. Who, according to John chapter twenty-one, didn't get along? Mm-hmm. I mean, Flavius Josephus talks about uh, uh, Peter and John, who were apostles, who didn't get along. But Jesus, but, but Peter confessed it in John twenty-one uh, the other day when when Jesus came to restore him after the resur- after the resurrection, and he's telling him how he's going to die, and then Peter says, "Well, what about him?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> How's he going to die?" I mean, they didn't get along, but but for this miracle, he brought those and the issue is because they were both Hebrews, mm. but the issue is they had come from different backgrounds, mm-hmm. like you and I. Mm-hmm. The first miracle of the church shows them coming together. And Peter and John told the the the, the lame man at the gate, look on us. Mm. Look on us. That's more than just to get this healing. But look at us. Maybe there was the reputation, maybe it was noised about that hey, hey, have you heard that I'm, if you hear this, you didn't hear it from me, but have, have you heard that there are two of the apostles who actually don't get along? Can you believe <laughs> that? They're walking with God and they're, they're squabbling. <laughs> Maybe it was noised about it, I don't mm. know. But what, what the, what the apostle said to this man as a part of his healing is, mm. look on
0: us. Mm.
1: We've gotten it together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: At some point, whether people want to embrace our show as provocative and powerful and impactful or not, at some point, you've got to stand up and take notice at the idea, not just the notion now, mm-hmm. but at the idea that there are two gentlemen, two doctors, two, two academics who didn't have to come together mm-hmm. but have made up their mind mm-hmm. that if what the Lord has put on our heart is to come to pass, people need to not only hear but see.
0: But see it. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's something I think we mentioned this and perhaps it was off air last week actually. Uh, But when people around Indianapolis who are not necessarily Mm -hmm. Christians look at the picture of the two of us that we put out every week to promote this show, and they see both of us, a black PhD and a white PhD, sitting next to each other, and we actually get along and love each other and care for each other, that's just... A phenomenon to people,
1: it, and and I know you can't. You, there's some things we, we can't. Some some reviews we get that we can't really share. But we've gotten reviews from academics. Mm-hmm. We've gotten reviews from others who who listen to the show, and 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 it's making impact.
0: Yes,
1: it's making impact. Yep. And we and, and we don't just and we're not just simply pursuing the academic. Uh, we, we're pursuing or the Christian. Mm-hmm. We want people. Who may not have known that these things are in scripture mm-hmm. to hear us on the broadcast and see, man, really?
0: Yeah,
1: actually, uh, blacks and whites can actually get along.
0: How about that?
1: Can, that that's a real thing. Yes, it's a real mm-hmm. thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, it's a real thing. And if we're ever going to make an impact uh, in the in the in the justice system, in uh, in in the, in the deserts for uh, broken people, um, if justice is going to become uh a, a higher loyalty. Uh Richard Rorty wrote a book, A Justice as a higher as, as a higher loyalty uh a loyalty. If that's gonna be real, now Rorty wouldn't agree with this, but it needs to be rooted in scripture.
0: Yes, it does. Yeah. Always from our perspective and I think, you know, to your point that um uh people across the board are listening to us, including academics, but you know, the the common person in the pew, sure. the, the person who's sitting at their desk right now listening to us with an earbud in. On the I bus, mean, on the way to work. All, all of the yeah. folks that are there uh, engaged, listening to us right now. These, We are not speaking in, as people say, highfalutin language. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are not coming with six and seven syllable right. words here. We are simply laying out a very baseline Christian approach to how do we bring small communities together, these little right. platoons, to do good based on a Christian view because we see the needs in our world around us. Right. And to your quotation earlier, Ephesians 2.10, we're created for this.
1: That we, are, we are created for this. And God, and God is – all the thrust of God is about bringing it together. Mm. You see, uh, when God looks at Indianapolis – He doesn't see my church or your. Oh, figuratively speaking, Mm -hmm. he doesn't see my church, your church. Um, He sees the church in Indianapolis, and and he looks at it like when I'm looking at you. Of course, you have a head, you have arms, you have legs. I'm not looking, but I'm looking at you Mm -hmm. holistically. Mm -hmm. The church has got to learn to be what it should be Mm. in its individuality, but it, it cannot lose its connectivity because these platoons reply uh, 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 depend or rely rather on other platoons. Mm-hmm. We need you know in the army when I was in the army uh, well, I was particularly particularly in basic training, I was in Bravo company. Bravo company was actually learning the same things that Alpha uh, Charlie and Delta were learning. This is absolutely the true we were in basic training and and I didn't wouldn't think about this now but I was thinking about man. You know, they seem to have it together. Well, it was important for us all to see one another working together mm-hmm. because we, if, if a war jumps out,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's one it's one war. Yeah, We're all on the same team. Mm-hmm. So we've got to learn the same things and practice the same things and even though we're in different uh, companies, mm-hmm. different battalions, mm-hmm. different divisions. Mm-hmm. This is one army. Yeah. So it is with the body of Christ.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and uh, and the hand can't be the foot.
0: That's right. <laughs> you know. T- to your point about the, uh, the concern that we have to actually work together in all of this, I'm reminded uh, as you're speaking about this that Paul's letter, for instance, to, the, to Galatia, for instance. Paul's letter to Galatia was to a province. And then this letter was then kind of moved around to various places and parts throughout this province of Galatia and then, if uh, paul 's letter came to the to the city of Ephesus, for instance, to the Ephesians, this was not just one church; this was many house churches that were That's being right. represented uh, throughout this particular city of ephesus, and so we need to see ourselves instead of the church this church on the corner or you know first this or second that or um mm-hmm. United Methodist or United Presbyterian or United Nazarene whatever the denomination what we need to see is as you've just well said the church in Indianapolis the
1: church in Indianapolis mm-hmm. be- the church in Indianapolis must look like what the church in heaven is going to look like yes while we know there's no flesh and blood in heaven there there will be blacks whites latinos dominicans asians russians you name it, in heaven. Yes, And we have got, the, the biggest problem in the body of Christ, is, in my opinion, is denomination.
0: Mm, oh, boy. And, you know, there's a topic for a whole <laughs> other show, I think, I do believe. Yeah. We're going to take a two-song break here. And when we come back at the top of the hour, we're actually going to be hearing from Dar- uh, Darnell Wilson, who's coming here to us uh, from Shepherd Community Center mm-hmm. uh, here in Indianapolis, a great nonprofit doing great work And we'll be asking him about uh, what he does there and his concerns and uh, interests. Uh, But you're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Dr. Clyde Posley, Dr. Mark Eckel. we are glad to be with you. We'll take two-song break. We'll be right back. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. And we are discussing today the concept of little platoons and the necessity of uh, what every community really needs and what every community really needs is a whole bunch of nonprofits that are doing good works uh, throughout Indianapolis and one of the things uh, that we are uh, talking about today of course because this is a Christian program uh, we are certainly approaching this from a Christian vantage point. Our whole focus then is to understand that grace needs first to eradicate sin which then gives us the opportunity for the proper outcome which ultimately is to glorify God and do the good works that He has given us to do, uh, Dr. Clyde. Any uh, any overview statement? Any thoughts uh, from our first hour uh, before our guest comes in? Uh,
1: just that um, y- you know, the profundity of grace is 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 just that. It, 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 and and if we're going to do any acts of love, which is what non-for-profits uh, the platooning system uh, notion and non-profifers are designed to do. It's got to be under the rules, under the auspices mm-hmm. of biblical grace. Mm-hmm. I think I think the most important word in the world, and in Scripture, this is my opinion, of course, mm-hmm. is the word grace, mm-hmm. I, because um, it is the fulfillment of everything God spoke in, in, as you say, the first testament. It is ultimately how God is deals with man in the church age. Mm -hmm. I believe that every dispensation was designed to reveal more and more about God's grace. Mm. The grace has has been throughout scripture. You you so eloquently have talked about in Deuteronomy how we are to handle the stranger Mm -hmm. uh, throughout Leviticus. And then God sending Jonah to Nineveh. Mm -hmm. And then God sending his son and, and, and throughout scripture, grace and benevolence and beneficence and, 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 and reaching out to the otherness of people. Mm. It's, it's a great, our discussion today, in my opinion, is a great segue in, into what this great man of God is going to discuss with us. And uh, just in my spirit, grace is the word of today. Is not the, the truth the uh, needs of others?
0: Yeah, the power of the the word others is crucial. Correct. Darnell Wilson is here from Shepherd. Thanks so much, Darnell, for being here with us today. Thank
2: you for having me. It is a an honor and a pleasure.
0: Yeah, great. Well, we uh, like we do with all of our guests. Uh, we just kind of ask questions, throw in a few uh, thoughts here and there. We'll take a break uh, in about 15 minutes thereabouts. Uh, but we always start with the same question. You know, tell us a little bit about, a little your, about yourself, yourself. Uh, family, okay. uh, friends. Uh, what you do in Indianapolis?
2: Okay. Um, well, um, as you said, my name is Darnell Wilson. Uh, I was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. uh, put into uh, foster care um, pretty much from the moment I was born. Um, ended up getting adopted into the uh, Wilson family. Mm-hmm. So we're we're a blended family. Three of us are black, and three of us are white. So mm-hmm. it's a it's it's a kind of a beautiful testimony of God's grace there. Mm-hmm. And um, went to Bible college, met a guy um, from Canada who was involved with church planning, ended up in Toronto, Ontario after college, um, working on a church plant there on the on the east side of, of uh, Toronto. Um, almost two years in, the uh, Canadian government changed my residency status, had to move back to the U.S., uh, met the chief of staff at Shepherd Community Center. He introduced me to Jay Height, who was the executive director, and um, had lunch, loved the uh, vision and mission of Shepherd, breaking the cycle of poverty through a Christocentric approach. And um, there was a place for me, and they were good enough to offer me a job. So that's, uh, that's a little bit about my story.
0: What is the focal point of your job? What is it that you do at Shepherd every day?
2: So I'm a, uh, I am a development officer, but really what I do is I uh, manage relationships. I told a pastor. A few weeks ago, I said, I get paid to make friends, and sometimes they give me money. And um, (laughs) just, I just, yeah, I I have great, great uh, bosses at Shepherd who tell me it's more important for you to build relationships with our church partners than it is for you just to bring in dollars. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is I meet with different pastors, and I find out what they're passionate about, and then I tell them about what's going on at Shepherd, and is there overlap and would they like to be the hands and feet of Jesus in that specific space?
0: So you're doing an awful lot of friend-raising is what you're doing.
2: That's, yeah, that's <laughs> it. I like that. I like that. I will use that. That's good.
0: <clears throat> that's it. I mean, ultimately, and I loved your line about, and every once in a while they give me money. <laughs> that, was a, that was a cool line, too. Yeah, so the whole point about overlap, let's talk a little bit about that because that's an important word, I think. A lot of people will say, you know, there's a whole bunch of nonprofits, and they're doing all these. Uh, they're all doing these things that are very similar to each other. You know, we've got a couple of nonprofits. Let's say, uh, Voice of the Victims, to deal with the issue of abuse okay. and so on. Uh, there might be other nonprofits that uh, do food pantries, such mm-hmm. as you do. There might be other nonprofits that do educational work. So let's talk a little bit about this overlap and uh, your perspective on good bad how to get along with that uh when you talk with pastors where you see overlaps how do you handle that
2: um i think i think looking at the nonprofit uh world on the near east side almost as a body hmm. um so we deal in education that's that's what we do that's what we're good at god's blessed us with that hmm. Um, we found out that we weren't terribly effective working with the homeless. And so we empower Wheeler Ministries. And so we'll, we'll send our buses to Wheeler Women's or Wheeler Men's for breakfast on S- Sunday morning, or uh, Celebrate Recovery on uh, Monday night, mm-hmm. uh, Wednesday night church, Sunday church. And so, okay. Um, Wheeler is investing in people Wheeler believes in the dignity of a person and they're doing homeless ministry so much better than we are how can we equip them to do what they do better and is there anything that we can do like uh, provide resources to help them do it Mm -hmm. and so we don't feel threatened by other nonprofits. and I think if there was more of that we could lock arms together and just really be salt and light Um, But but that's kind of the culture of Shepherd. okay? So what do we do? Let's find our lane. Let's stay in that lane. What is somebody else doing? Is there anything that we could do to help them as well?
0: Mm -hmm. This is a powerful testimony. I mean, quite frankly, to hear one nonprofit say, we don't really do that very effectively. Let's let somebody else do that. So, you know, straight up, man, you don't hear that very often.
2: Yeah, you know, I think... um, I remember I watched this clip of uh, Dwayne Johnson, uh, yeah. the, the uh, rock, the, yeah. the wrestler, and, and he had this line, know your role and shut your mouth. <laughs> so I don't agree with the uh, shut your mouth part, but the knowing your role mm. is powerful. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where does Shepard fit into the landscape? Mm. Are we jostling people out of the way? Um, You know, we like our zip code is the four six two zero one zip code. That's our lane. Mm -hmm. Children education and breaking the cycle of poverty. That's our vision and mission. That's Mm -hmm. what we do. Mm -hmm. And there's all kinds of really legitimate and excellent distractions that that come along, but that's where leadership says, you know what, this is this is the direction that God's given us. Mm -hmm. This is where we're going.
1: There are several uh, over ten thousand, as you well know, non for profits just in the Indianapolis Marin County area. Um, What would you say to a listener that would uh, expose possible pitfalls for -for non-for-profits? In other words, what what things cause non-for-profits to be ineffective? and just be, just exist, versus
2: being prolific? That is a great question. Don't want to step on any toes. But for me, there comes a point where an organization gets to the size where its resources are no longer going out, but many of its resources are going back in just to maintain this giant thing that they've Mm -hmm. that. That they've built up, and that's more of a tension to manage than a problem to solve. Because I, I'll be honest, we have great admin staff at Shepherd, and they get paid a good wage. But our goal is to always be giving out more than we're taking. So yet. what?
1: So in 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 the, if that occurrence, what what should what should a non for profit do? Let Let's say they have, as you have said, expanded, grown, and and now the biggest, you know, portion of their uh, income or grants or whatever the case. Yeah, it goes it, back, it, into it back into maintaining this, this giant what momentum. They do? What should they do to, to, to get back uh, to the middle, to get back focused?
2: You know, I think that's where the board of directors and leadership have to be aware of what's going on. Okay, have have we lost sight of our mission and vision in just the day-to-day Keeping the lights on, keeping this giant locomotive still just kind of chugging along, mm-hmm. and it's just taking a look to say, okay, is our efficacy does it match our size and our gifts and abilities, or mm-hmm. are we just existing yeah. in this giant space? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't necessarily have the uh, right, right. answer to that, right. but that's
1: they Peel off and start another, or yeah. something like that. You don't, I know you don't, but that the, the, you you raise something is very powerful. I think uh, that's one of the reasons that so many so many non for profits um, lose their efficacy. Yeah, you know, they uh, they come top heavy.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And,
1: and even uh, there are stories of, of such things happening. You mm-hmm. know, uh, but um, but a second question I have is what about the uh, little man? What about the person, the, the young lady? I have members of my church who have notions and dreams of starting a nonprofit. And they have a great idea. How would you say, other than the paperwork, the paperwork is the same for everybody. Sure, you know, yeah. You know, but what would you? What are some pointers you would give to to uh, people that you think uh, have these notions? Uh, one young lady in my church, her name is, uh, well, I oppression's a say her name, but she's really serious about a profit. Her heart is right. How would you, what would you say to the person by getting started?
2: Yeah, I would say, you know, one, be prayerful about the vision that you feel that God has given you. Mm -hmm. It could be that God has given you a passion, let's say, for the homeless. Mm -hmm. And he's given you the why, but he's not given you the how yet. Mm -hmm. And that's where a wise person seeks a multitude of counsel. Mm -hmm. Okay, so who do I know that is godly, that's making a difference, that can walk alongside me and help me with this, right. and I would say also has a uh, church planner. Um, do not despise small beginnings.
1: Oh man, I was. Is you talking? <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking about Charles Stanley. That's one of <laughs> Charles Stanley's uh, 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 staple messages: yeah. Start small. Yeah. I don't care what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Start small, and he has a huge church, but mm-hmm. started small. Yeah, I was just thinking that.
2: And and be be excellent. Mm-hmm. You know, don't. Uh, don't despise small beginnings, but also do everything to the glory of God. First right. Corinthians ten. It's just okay. Five people showed up. Two of them are asleep, and three of them are drunk. Okay, <laughs> this is a problem. <laughs> but I am going to preach the word of God. Mm-hmm. Trust that it will not return void, and I'm going to do it Maintain for the glory of God. Exactly. Right. Maybe I'm preaching for myself. This morning, right, and maybe not so much people that are there. So, just right. do everything with excellence and do it to the glory of God. That's right. Would, would be my affirmation to somebody. The
1: Bible says that Daniel. Part of how Daniel was promoted was the Bible says, I uh, guess the sixth chapter, third verse, that an excellent spirit there you go was found in him.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. These are these are huge and important ideas that uh, uh, we're certainly not here to step on other people's toes. But as you were talking, it made me think about how um, our sinfulness gets in the way even of good things Mm -hmm. and i'm thinking about our desire to be all things to all people and sometimes Mm -hmm. when you're in a non-profit setting and you think you know what i can do that too i see somebody else doing that i can do that too Mm -hmm. instead of just leaving that alone whatever Mm -hmm. that is and
2: just keep doing what you're doing that's good yeah Yeah. Yeah, you know and i struggle with that because i have the the privilege to go to many many churches Mm And so I kind of get a good grasp of the evangelical landscape. Mm. And it's like, ah, don't know if I'd do that. Or it's like, oh, I bet I could do that if I was in that position. The truth is I don't know the backstory to what got them there. And if I'm running to each passion that I see someone doing something well, then I'm missing out on whatever God wants me to do well. Yes. Because there's so many people doing great things that you just want to, like, man, I want to do that. Yeah. I want to work with the homeless. I want to work with children. Mm-hmm. I want to work with disabled people. And it's like, is that what God has called me to do? Mm. That's a question you got to ask yourself. Our
0: decisions, I think, quite often are not between uh, things that are good or bad, but between good and good.
2: It's- yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, that is such a. I knew where you were going. That's a great quote.
0: I mean, that's that's so true. This is uh, our constant concern, of course, is that somehow, and to, to the to the point about our own personal sinfulness, that uh, sometimes our motivations are we hope people see us doing this good thing. Yeah. you know, uh, instead of actually giving this, as you well say, First Corinthians ten, back to God. This is all His yeah. anyway.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that you know that's a tension that that I'm feeling now. I was. Reading in Matthew, it's like, let your light shine before men. Mm-hmm. Next chapter, don't let your left hand know what your right mm-hmm. hand is doing. So like, okay, so, like, what does that look like day to day? You yeah. know, yeah, these are all things that we're all wrestling with and all trying to figure out what looks like for us. That's right.
1: You, you, you know, in, in, interestingly enough, um, along the lines of what you, you, you gentlemen are saying, um, I think one of the most neglected components of success whether it be non-for-profit or preaching church planning whatever whatever the case is the behind the scenes preparation uh, for m- my pastor my mentor Dr. Troy Ladd mentions that word preparation every time we talk mm. you know it, it, it's so important and people need to know that when when a person has reached the level that you have or in in, in the servicing that you area where you work, it, it, there's a lot of preparation that goes into that and, 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 and behind the scenes commitment to devotion and character that spills out yeah. in, in the public forum. Yep, yes. uh, Charles Spurgeon is, is, is noted as having been asked the question, how did he do so well in England? And, and how, how, why were the churches growing so fast and he took the, part, the person the reporter that was asking him this question downstairs in the basement and there were 300 people down in the basement reportedly on their face praying mm-hmm. that, that the reporter didn't know about, didn't know the church had a basement and didn't know that 300 people were down there in prayer while he was up there preaching mm-hmm. it's often what's going on behind the scenes the character building behind the scenes that we see spill out in public
2: I think that that line character building is true because there is a character that you only get from striving.
1: Well, oh, I agree. I, I mean, oh, have yeah. heard on this show. I believe adversity is far more valuable than success. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's, Absolutely. Uh, I heard a quote. I was I was at the gym talking to a guy, and he said, "I would rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war." he's like, I am I am preparing for what's next. Absolutely. And I thought, boy, I can look at life as you know, when's the next time? But I have never looked back and said, Boy, Mm-mm. I grew so much whenever life Absolutely. was perfect. Everybody, Absolutely. bar none in my experience, says it's through adversity. Absolutely.
1: It's yeah. just no no ifs, ands or buts about it. And that's who God sends to the, the, the most arduous task. Yeah. Uh, I say all the time, God only sends firemen. To a
2: fire. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. sends the
1: people who you know how to deal with people. Why is it so hard? Because you're prepared. hmm God sends the, the people who have been prepared. I heard you speak about your background. Man, if something shakes you down, having the background that you've yeah. had, knowing that God has been with you yeah. and brought you Every step and took you to Toronto and brought you back and provided for you, I just met you. But if I ever were to hear you say after the day, man, I don't know how I'm going to do this, I'm going to say,
0: bro. Yeah, yeah. No, no,
1: no, no. We're not going to do that. Yeah, Because yeah. just like with David, yeah, David said relative to the Goliath, when I was in the wilderness, a bear came after my uh, flock. When I was in the forest, a lion came after my yeah. my the the, the the sheep. If God took care of the lion and the bear, this yeah. uncircumcised Philistine yeah. is no match yeah. for yeah. the armies of our God. So yep. absolutely.
0: Yep. Look out. Yeah. Victory loves preparation. Boy. Absolutely. Yeah, this absolutely. is a great a great military line. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNX.TV at the Cool Group site. We need to take a one-song break, but just to remind everybody, The great jazz mixer coming up may 18th right here at collaborate 317 you don't want to miss it george middleton bringing the music we'll have hors d'oeuvres drinks all kinds of good stuff with a promotion a sustainable development fundraiser for the cominius institute the sponsor of this particular show warp and move radio we're going to take one song break we'll be right back all right we are back warp and and move radio at radionext.tv at the cool group site And we are blessed here today to have Darnell Wilson with us from Shepherd Community Center. And uh, Darnell, before our break, uh, you had just jumped in to uh, tell us a little bit about 46201. Is that right? 46201. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So tell us about that project and why that's so important to you.
2: Yeah. So we rolled that out last year, uh, the uh, 46201 project with the uh, Fuller Center, Send Englewood, and a lot of our church partners. And it was housing, hunger, and hope. Okay, so we're on the uh, Near East Side. That's a uh, food desert about 31,000 people and uh, one real grocery store for them to buy fruits and vegetables. And uh, I was actually at at a church maybe two weeks ago, and they were talking about food density. New York City is the best as far as access to food. Indianapolis, Indiana is the worst in the nation. Yeah, yeah, I was was surprised.
1: People need to hear that. We we've mentioned it on the show. Yeah, we mentioned that. To say that again.
2: in terms of food density, as far as access to food, access to food, New York City is the best in the nation. Indianapolis is the worst in the, in the entire nation, as far as access to food. Wow. So for what that looks like, um, for us, 80 percent of the kids in our neighborhood get two meals a day whenever school's in session. That's because they're getting food at school. They, lose, they leave school. They, they go to the gas station, mom and pop uh, shop, and they get chips, soda, yeah, things soda, like that. Stuff that is just such a syrup, low nutritional right, yield. Right. And so we said, okay, so hunger is an issue. Hope is an issue. One of the epidemics um, in our neighborhood is loneliness. Mm-hmm. It's people that go for days without any real connection with somebody else. And so we send uh, surveyors out just to just just to talk with people okay so what are your needs I can look into the uh, community and say okay they need this 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 and this but I want to hear from them okay so tell me about your living conditions how's your mental health how are you getting back and forth to the uh, doctor's appointment what does food look like for you we want to hear from them and then uh, housing with uh, four, we were able to build five new homes on the on the uh, neary side, and our families moved into them. So, now so just incredible. Fuller, just to make sure that fuller center, knows. fuller center, center. center. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, you're not talking about Fuller Seminary on the east. No, no no, okay, no, right. no,
2: no, 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 no. Although, if they're interested in listening, <laughs> that'd be great.
0: <laughs> Anybody in California out there listening right now? This is Indianapolis, Indiana. Send us your money. Yeah, All right, yeah, here. exactly. You go. so beyond uh, your project as it relates to. Uh, hunger and hopelessness, and all of the other good works that you were doing, uh, tell us, just kind of fill that out a little bit more for us in terms of what children are going to have to do during the summertime. I mean, when I hear stuff like this, they get two meals a day while they're in school, but school's
2: going to shut down here quick. That's right. What's going to happen then? So what we do at Shepherd is we send home weekend food packs, so they've got two or three days worth of food that they can make, well, have to turn the stove on or have any kind of appliances that might be dangerous, okay? We're talking microwaveable things like that. And then on the breaks, we have church partners. And so now IPS has gone to the uh, two-week break schedule for spring break and fall break. And so what we do is we find church partners or any kind of partner, and we say, look, this is the situation where we're at, okay? Kids go hungry over break. And we have to do something about it. And so we'll get a partner that will send what's called a, a food tote that has two weeks worth of food, and we send it home with every single child, wow. every single child, bar none. Mm-hmm.
0: And if I could just add this as an educator, mm-hmm. the, nutri- the nutritional uh, emphasis in anybody's body is essential. Absolutely, yep. Absolutely.
2: absolutely, yep, yep. Absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. So when you when we're talking about and and you know, I'm just saying this
0: out loud everybody when we're talking about food density or food deserts or any kind of a problem where folks can't get access to something that has for the most part for the rest of us easy access yeah. <laughs> absolutely we have, We do not even think about this. No, no. But for these little ones, whose brains are still well underdeveloped. Yep, right. How desperately do they need fresh food? Yeah. Fre- right. Fresh
2: fruit and vegetables. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, my biggest question whenever it comes to food is where am I going to go and how much am I buy? I don't ever wonder where the next one's coming from. How am I going to get there? And it's people say that's so unbelievable. It's like yeah, because we don't. Live in that world. You know, I don't wonder where I'm gonna go after this and how I'm gonna get through. But that is the reality for many of our kids. Absolutely not. Yeah. Because your point is I'm just gonna get my car and I'm gonna go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's here's something you should do. You should type into Google Maps where you're going, click on the car tab it'll maybe say what 15 minutes click on the bus tab it can take almost three hours so let's say you're a single mom with kids and you wanna get groceries now if you get too much you gotta pay for an extra seat that costs money that you don't have Okay. and I don't have time to go home and just zip out to the grocery store what are you gonna do that, that's a hopeless situation and uh, that we have 19% of our population is single moms with kids. That's up from 9.5% in the metro area. Huge concentration of single moms. That's the reality. Limited transportation, limited food, and they're working, burning the candle at both ends trying to make life happen.
0: You know, honestly, when, when you hear things like this, and anybody who's listening now uh, live or anybody who's hearing this later on the podcast, uh, we don't give thought to this. If you are not in that culture, if you have no understanding of a background to that culture, if you don't work in that kind of culture, we have no sense of this. None at all. Yeah. And so in order for us to have a sense of this, we need somebody like you to come on air right. to kind of wake us up, you know, not only us here in this studio, but around Indianapolis to say, hey, you know what, I could at least take one family, one mom, I could just take her to the store every single yeah. week and make sure that she gets there. Yeah. yeah, that
2: would be a, a tremendous blessing. And to uh, your point, I am in the community every day, and I still miss it. I went out with a work group um, to deliver backyard uh, gardens. And so basically what that is, about the size of the door frame, we bring in great soil that's been uh, donated, and then we build it in the backyard. We just put it down, fill it with dirt. And so we went to, we've already given out probably 120, something like that, probably more, and we asked this couple, they said, hey, do you guys want a backyard door garden? And if it was me, I'd be like, sure, you know, no, no real big deal. The look on their faces, and they said to me, they said, God must have sent you. And I thought, man, this is a backyard dar- garden. This is two by fours and dirt, and then they can come get seeds. To grow fresh fruits and vegetables, that to me is not a big deal. That made their weekend, and I thought, "Wow, I'm living a blessed existence, and I thank God for that." But boy, there's a lot of people that don't have the same privileges that uh, I do. See,
1: this is what we—this is, this is what the stewardship of others is about. We brought that up in the last hour. For those for those who are still listening, this is what we—this is what we mean about. Learning to steward the otherness of people yeah. and and we've, we've got to learn to do it we, we, all of us the Lord has a blessed us to uh, all of us at this table what I, what I mean uh, we blessed us to enjoy a blessed existence as as, as uh, uh, Donnell is saying but we, you know he's also explaining to us reminding us everybody's not there we've got to service as a Christian means finding People and uh, who are in these disenfranchised states and uh, conditions. When I say states, uh, to serve them, and 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 Indianapolis being the leading food desert in the country, in the nation, in the. I would consider this all over North and South Dakota, Montana, yeah. Wyoming, anywhere what is happening with Indianapolis that with all of the resources that we just we just we just we just got fourteen million dollars to fix potholes yeah <laughs> I'm just saying I'm just we went to an emergency fund to get fourteen million dollars we, 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 we tout a surplus legislative surplus every year come on man yeah let's be, let's be realistic yeah. let's let's do some thinking let's do some reasoning let's really consider this how do we have a surplus and uh, and and leave the country we're not we're not in the top 20 yeah we are the emblem of of a pathetic food desert yeah you know in Indianapolis
2: oh my god and I think what what really bothers me is that we're not talking about a lack of food you're right. It, it We're talking about a lack of a, access,
1: distribution, and and stewardship.
2: Absolutely. It,
1: it,
2: it, yeah, that that is where I've been wrestling with There's plenty of food. To Which go speaks around. to our condi- the, our condition of caring. There you go. Yep. Yep. Because that's where we naturally, in our fallen mind, start. How am I doing? Mm-hmm. How's my fiancé doing my mm-hmm. my family doing yeah but as far as looking out for your neighbor we have a very individualistic mindset when it comes to that and yeah. and there's a part of us that says well maybe they're there because they made some mistake or because they, they could very well be there or for because that. and it's like yeah. yeah and you're one mistake away from being Absolutely. right there too right. And, and and the reason why you're where you are is not because of some inherent good within you, it's because of the love and power of Christ Jesus, and so we get this idea that we, uh, well, I'm where I'm at because I worked hard and 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 because I am somehow a more noble person. You're where you at because you probably worked hard. That has to factor in, but you probably had a support group, you probably had a family, you had a break, and you for sure had the grace of God. You want me on?
1: I'd get out of my head. I was getting ready to go back there. See, that's that's that grace thing we Here talked about earlier. If you if any person thinks uh, uh, like that and they're looking down on someone, they are oh out of touch with grace. Yep. I think it's Martha Nussbaum, and I'm, I'm not sure, but it might be Martha Nussbaum who wrote a, a 1990s book t- uh, entitled Justice as Care justice as care. Hmm. And a lot of not, there are not a lot of people on there who are making that connection. Yeah. That 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 to be a just society is to care for the disenfranchised. Yeah. Jesus said that the poor you have with you always. So there is no Christos there's no Christology that excludes yeah. care for the poor. of uh, right. the poor. That's right. There's no way to be Christian. And that's what's wrong, I think, in a lot of instances. I'm about to shake up the table here. We we we, Jesus didn't call anybody Christians The Bible doesn't say Well done by a good and faithful Christian It says well done by a good and faithful servant yeah. And too often yeah. We will wear the label proudly The broad necklace of Christian mm-hmm. Without realizing that really There are no Christians in heaven They're servants wow. he's, gonna, he's not promoting Christians He's promoting people Love other people And he, he gives the world the right He Christ before the disciples Instructed the disciples To expect to be judged By yeah. the earth when he says Love ye one and John 13 And 35 love ye one another Then he says this next phrase And by this Shall all men know that you're my disciple, that you have loved One for the other. in other words If you can't care for your neighbor You don't really know me you don't really know me if you if you can leave these conditions yeah. and care nothing about them. Yeah,
0: there's the Matthew 25 passage right there. Yes, that's you know, right. Where were you when yeah. uh, I right. was yeah. in prison when I was that's on right. the, absolutely yeah that's right. You had mentioned uh, previously as as we were setting this uh, interview up uh, that you wanted to talk about Adam Perkins and Shane Hardwick, your resident IMPD officer and paramedic. Uh, We've got about 12, 13 minutes uh, left. I thought maybe you should just go ahead and tell us about uh, these guys and tell us some stories about uh, what's going on. Take
2: all that time. It's yours. So what we have with Adam and Shane is a public-private partnership. And so what that looks like is Adam Perkins is an IMPD officer with all the rights, privileges, and authority that goes with that. And Shane is a SWAT paramedic with all the abilities, skills, and authority that goes with that. And what the city has done is they have allowed them to be employees of Shepherd, And so they receive their pay from Shepherd, and they work exclusively in the 46201 zip code. Wow. And so what has happened is, with so many of our people, they don't know how to advocate or engage Okay, the whenever it comes to law enforcement or medicine, things like that. And so what Adam and Shane have become are advocates for them. And so one of the most beautiful things you'll see, Adam Perkins also leads our Celebrate Recovery. So he's a, he is a cop by day, Bible teacher by evening, and also dad. So super, super busy guy. And what he's become, great, big, six foot four, white guy, couple hundred pounds, just a bad looking dude. He is seen in our community as, as an advocate. If you're in trouble, you can call the police. I mean, that's a, that's a radical shift in our thinking. It's, it's great for society. It's great for racial re- reconciliation. Adam was telling this story. Great big black guy is walking down the street. Walks up to him. Th- those a great big hug on him. He's like, whoa, who's that? He's like, oh, that's a guy that I work with. And so now people look at the client so You know what? Yeah, there's, there's some problems, right? But this particular police officer is an advocate for me. Shane is also just an incredible resource because so many uh, people in poverty use emergency services like a doctor checkup, and so I have a checkup scheduled for some months in the future because that's that's how I think because that's how my parents thought. About. Okay, if you don't have that, your your chest feels funny, you got heartburn, I'll call 911. Which cost the city thousands of dollars every single run. Thousands upon thousands of dollars. And so what Shane is able to do is okay, there's a nine one one call. Shane makes a connection. How you feeling? What's going on? Okay, so high, high blood pressure. Shane is able to then circle back or connect that person to Shepherd until they can get some ongoing care and not tie up our emergency services. And I think what's what's even more beautiful is that they're building relationships. It'll be it's uh, Joseph Stalin, not a good guy, but he had a quote that I thought, boy, is true. He said, one death is a tragedy, one million is a statistic. And when you look at people as a statistic, there's no angst there. When I talk about homelessness, and there's how many hundreds of families homeless daily, I'll be honest with you, I don't feel that. But if someone says, the Smith family, and I have a face to go hey. with that, I'm like, are you kidding? Like, what can I do to help? Who can I connect them to? That's what Adam and Shane are doing. They're putting faces and names to all of these statistics. And they have done such a phenomenal job. They uh, told a story uh, Last week, we had our executive lunch. We're going to have to get you guys down there sometime. It's awesome. And um, they were they were talking about this elderly woman who had diabetes. She wanted to die at home. So Shane shows up, and, and he's like, you know, you really need to go to the hospital. But she wanted to die at home. And so Shane said, okay, that's, that's going to be your decision. And they stood there with that family while that lady passed away. And um, nothing could have been done. And so th- th- there was no negligence. It was just like this lady was... She was very, she, she very to deteriorate. And Adam and Shane um, stood with that family to pray, which is just awesome. And um, ended up buying food them and so they could almost have a wake. and so the ladies went in, fixed up grandma, you know put her in her Sunday best, yep. and then uh, Shane ordered food for the family mm-hmm. and so all the kids, all the cousins, all the uncles had a chance to file through mm-hmm. and say their goodbyes. And it was so important to them that she died at home because it turns out her husband had died there. I think her sister had died there and so this home was very important to them. And Shane's saying, this lady's going to die anyways. And if she wants to die here, I'm going to make that her call. Mm-hmm. And just an awesome story of a connection. Just an awesome story of connection.
0: What you're suggesting here is the importance of place. A theology of place. Where there's a rootedness. I mean, all of the things I'm saying are right out of Scripture. There's a rootedness. There's an emphasis on whoever lives near you this is the whole concept behind neighbor mm-hmm. uh, the idea that uh, better a neighbor close than a brother far away the famous proverb says yeah. you know those kinds of ideas uh, are resonant in what you're what you're talking about yeah. here so do these uh, do th- does the EMT and the uh, and the cop do they actually live in this neighborhood as well or is this Where they work, their their focal point of
2: work. Adam lives uh, very nearby. I'm not sure if it's the same zip code, and I don't think Shane lives in the in the uh, neighborhood. In the neighborhood, yeah. Uh, How important? I mean,
0: you know, you just mentioned a story about you know a guy throwing a a big hug on one of these guys, you know, going down the street. How important Um, is it to have a presence
2: in a neighborhood? For us, it's been instrumental. So we've been there for over 30 years. And if I walk through the neighborhood with a, with a shepherd lanyard, t-shirt, or I'm driving a shepherd vehicle, people will come up. had a guy last week say, love what you guys are doing. love what you guys are doing. He's someone who is in poverty, in crisis, excited that we're helping other people. Mm-hmm. And so what that does is that gives us lots of credibility. And so you may, as a church or an individual, look at the east side and see this giant... Seemingly unnavigable landscape. And we can say, you know what, we can be that vehicle into that landscape because we've been there. We've been over 30 years there building relationships, building credibility. To come partner with us.
0: When you talk about uh, this idea of credibility and you mentioned 30 years, my first thought, well, my first two thoughts are stability mm-hmm. and sustainability. Mm-hmm. So, talk to those two issues and the importance of that for a non-profit. Today's show is about little platoons, how a group of folks gets together and then serves others around them. Talk about the importance of stability in a neighborhood and the importance of sustainability of being in a
2: place for a long time. Sure. Um, well, there are some things that only happen from being in a place for a, a very long time. But also, I would say... Knowing what you do Knowing how to do it best And finding people to partner with Um, As unspiritual as it sounds To be salt and light You need people You need God first and foremost You need people, time, and money And that's that's not super spiritual That's not going to be a a bumper sticker But it's the truth And so we find people that say Okay, (coughs) excuse me I believe in the mission and vision Of breaking the cycle of poverty and I have resources that I can give to that. Mm. That is stability, and you can partner at any level. So we have a church that only gives us cereal. Okay, that's it. But we need that. Yeah. If we're going to have a stable food pantry, cereal is going to be a part of it. Now there are also people that give many, many thousands of dollars, and you know what? We need that. We had to build a nutrition center not too many years ago. That means stability, and so it's it's. It's finding people and accurately um, verbalizing how partnership happens at many levels. Most people think money, that's very important. But you know what? Be the church that just gives 100 boxes of cereal every mm. year. Mm. Or spend 35 bucks a month on, on a child. Mm. Um, bring some new shoes. There's, so for us, s- stability means plugging people in who have a passion for what we're doing at any level where, wherever they're at mm. no one's going to come to us and we're going to say you know what you're you're just not giving enough for us to really want to value this partnership mm. like it takes it takes a whole lot of people giving of their time resources and and uh, talents to make us a stable organization mm. there's there's uh
0: there's a wisdom to all of this that I think uh, is, is essential for everybody to hear. You talk about time and money, for instance. Uh, some people feel, and how, how, however you want to parse this out, we, can have a, we could have a whole show just on this. Uh, we could talk about how sometimes people feel guilty uh, for lots of different reasons about you know, their place in the world. Yeah. Maybe they have more than other people do. Yeah. We could have a whole discussion point of that. But to that particular point, there are people with funds. First Timothy 6, 17 to nineteen. There are four commands given to rich people there. There are rich people. Yep. It's okay to be rich. Yeah. It's a good thing. <laughs> Go you yeah, know,
2: I, I am so glad you said that, because the word privilege is the hot button word right now. And people get very upset. And I was telling my fiance, it's like I hope my kids are privileged. I hope they can go to a good school. I hope they can lay down in a nice, safe environment. I hope they have lots of opportunities. That's not a bad thing. But somehow, because of our egocentrism, if we indicate that that maybe we're at a better place in life because we have more privileges than the next person, that's somehow a bad thing. Mm. That's only a bad thing if you recognize it and say, I'm not going to help the next person maybe move up to their next stage of life. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, i it always boggles my mind when people get so upset about the word privilege. Mm-hmm. Like, I have privileges for sure that other people don't have. And God loves a cheerful giver. That's not a guilty giver. You know, I would say hold on to your money until God works in your heart to the point where you're not giving out of guilt, but you're giving out of a genuine love for your fellow man. God loves a cheerful giver, not a guilted giver some financial theology here yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that's That's not what you had me on here for no but it's good it's a good word it's a good word yeah I'm just I'm just more and more passionate as I look at my own finances and my own treasures. a lot of resources some of them I don't even use I just I get comfort from from stuff being close to me you know I'm like a hoarder Um, not literally, but I like having things that bring me comfort because Mm -hmm. they're close and I can touch them. And I don't really even use them. Mm. And I'm like, okay, so am I storing up treasures on earth that can be destroyed by rust, by moths, by theft? Or am I storing up treasures in heaven? Am I so earthly minded that I can't be of any eternal good? Mm. Okay, I care about all suffering Especially eternal suffering, okay. But that doesn't mean that there aren't bellies to be filled, feet to be shod, and people that need education, nutrition, things like that. I think
1: we can. I think that what you said as well said. We can do both. The same passage that uh, Dr. Echo just spoke from includes the quote that God giveth us all things richly to enjoy. There you
2: go. Mm-hmm.
1: So there is nothing, you know. Uh, often uh, Satan, what Satan does. Is, is pervert's truth. Yes. He's a liar. Partial truth. He, he, you know, Christ teaches us how to. The Old Testament teaches us yep. that God gives us the power to get wealth, but he's but but over the next nine dispensations, he's working on the heart of the person.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. He's, he <laughs>
1: initially taught to get wealth in the Torah. Amen. He works on that heart for uh, uh, the rest of that testament, and then ultimately gets over it deep in the heart of the second testament, the New Testament, and says that he loves a cheerful giver, but he doesn't just say it. He says, now, if you'll give cheerfully, there's something I'm going to give to you that I'm not going to say anywhere else in Scripture. He says, I'm going to make all grace abound toward you so that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, abound to every good work. All born from being happy about releasing. The per- and, and he goes on to say that he, he, he gives seed to the sower in that passage. He disperses those who dispersed. If a person is committed to being a, a river and not just a uh, reservoir, mm-hmm. God will keep it flowing. yeah These are good words.
0: Darnell, you, you have 15, 20 seconds to tell us what you want everybody to never
2: forget. Ah, oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> wow. I'm. I would say this that Shepherd Community Center exists to break the cycle of poverty um, by not only material things, but by connecting people to Jesus Christ and His supremacy. And How it's all in the Word of God.
1: How can people contact us?
2: Um, we're at uh, 46201 um, is, is our zip code, that's on the nearest side. But you can email me, Darnell w at shepherdcommunity.org. W at shepherdcommunity.org. Would uh, love to email. Um, f- feel free to, to call our number, 317-772-2941. That's actually my, my personal number. Would love to talk to you about what breaking cycle of poverty might look like for you. This is wonderful stuff.
0: Thank you ever so much for being here, Darnell. Oh,
2: my. Thank you for having me. This, this has been a
0: blessing. And it's been a great time to be with you as well. Thank you. Dr. Clyde, as yeah, always. I'm Mark. As always, man, it's a pleasure. My pleasure, my friend. Yeah. This is Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. You listen to us every Wednesday from 10 until 12. And uh, don't forget, May 18th, mark it on your calendar, 6 to 9 o'clock. Cominius, Sustainable Development Fundraiser. We're looking forward to that. Until next week, we'll see you then.